Uh, Grace, can you hear me now? All right, cool. Just checking. All right. Um, let's pray. Father, Lord God, hearts are heavy yet rejoicing. Just so thankful, Lord God, that from you come every comes every blessing. Father, what a blessing it is to, to know, Lord God, that you are faithful and true. You are the healing God. You're near to the brokenhearted, and you bind up wounds. I'm thankful for that, Lord God. And today, Lord God, as we move forward through this service, Lord God, I ask that you would just grant us mercy and grant us grace. Grace to rest in the fact that you are good and you are God and that your mercy endures forever. Pray that you would have your way. Father, I ask that you would just let today be a day where a broken sinner is preaching to broken sinners that have been redeemed by the gospel of Christ. And Lord God, also for those that are here that do not know you, today would be the day that they surrender and submit to the one who knows all things. Father, will you have your way for your glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna just be a little transparent to you, as if I'm not I, I, I I'm not always transparent. But uh, last year, when I when whatever it was, I was in the hospital. One thing I never understood is how how my sickness affected everyone else. Because I was sleeping through the whole thing; it didn't matter to me. I you know, and now I'm awake, and that's good. But. But when uh, my brother's son, we found out all this was going on, I began to realize how powerless we are. We have no authority to fix this, but we can look to the one who does, who is the one we look to for hope and rest and comfort and grace and mercy and kindness. So I want you to look at Psalm 121. I know we're, we're going to get to the sermon, I promise. Psalm 121, uh, Pastor Eric raised it up for us. I will lift mine eyes unto the hill, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made the heaven and earth. He is the sovereign God, and he made it all. We don't look to men and what doctors can do. We look to God and what he can do. And so God is, first thing, awesome, mighty, and worthy to be praised. We don't look to what, to, to what anything else can do. There's no get-rich-quick scheme. There's no magic pill to take. God is the sovereign God, and we look to him. We, and the reason why we look to the hills is our help doesn't come from man. Then I'd like to hit the other verse that uh, Pastor Eric brought up, Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he heard my uh, voice and supplications. Today we're not going to be in the book of Job, and you can all rejoice. We are going to be, though, in the book of uh, Psalm 61. We're going to be in that chapter. We're going to walk through those verses because my heart is to encourage your heart. Not with my hope, 
or my thinking, but with what the Word of God says, which is the hope of glory, because we look to Jesus. If you hear and you do not know Christ, pay attention and buckle in. If you're here and you do know Christ, pay attention and buckle in. So let's look to Psalm 61. If you're able to stand, please do as we read the Word of God. Psalm 61. To the chief musician upon uh, Neganah, a psalm of David. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the ends of the earth I cry unto thee, when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to a rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me, and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wing. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. O prepare mercy and truth, which may preserve him. So will I sing praise to thy name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. Father, will you bless the reading of your word now, Lord God, bless the teaching of your word and the preaching of your word in Jesus name. Amen. All right, you guys can sit. All right. So Psalm 61 verses one through eight were written by David to express to God his cries so God can answer them. And God's answers is protection and, and where he can trust in the name of God. And, and, and so he can walk through. So Here's what we're going to do today. We're going to walk through scripture. The first one, and this is probably obvious if you read what's there, cry out to God. Cry out to God. It's okay to cry out to God. It is okay to plead. What I love about King David, who is a king, what I love about him is in the midst of it all, he was not a proud man in prayer. He was a humble and submitted man in prayer. He cried out. It didn't matter how it looked. He was a king submitted to God. So today you will learn that you can cry out to God. He will answer. He will your protection. He will preserve you through his name when you trust in him, when you trust in Christ. Our first truth again is cry out to God. Listen to the first part. Verse 1. To the chief musician upon Nigana, a psalm of David. Hear my cry and attend in my prayer. David was a skilled musician. In fact, the Psalms are songs, songs to be sung. And so these are not only songs, but they're prayers, they're, they're petitions before a holy and righteous God. And so, and there were also praises to God. A lot of things happened, a lot of things happened in the Psalms. There are those also the ones that, Lord, destroy my enemy. And uh, that's part of the Psalms too, because he does that. So some of these prayers were cries of desperation, and some of these prayers were cries of praise, because God has done in the Psalmist, and through the Psalmist, and throughout the Jewish history, if you think about it. So God has done in him a great work. And so whenever David's lot in life, whatever happened, whatever trials came, tribulations came, cries and praise before God also came. 
so that God would be glorified through them all. You know, uh, last week we were, uh, Wednesday we were praying um, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. And all things means all things. It means a COVID stay in Club Rollerson. It means, you know, what's going on with Evan. All things. That's really hard. That's really difficult. All things. So here's David's cry. Listen to him. He's at the end of himself, totally throw himself on the mercy of God. Hear my cry, O God. Hear my plea, O God. Hear me pouring out everything to you, O God. I'm, 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 this is my, my sanctified imagination. Okay? David is crying for God to move. He's, this is not just some prayer. Some, some, it was an intense desire to see God work, to see God move, and to see his answer to his cry, to his prayer, to attend to his desperate call. Well, like Pastor Eric has said, God has answered a desperate plea. Evan does not have cancer. Praise be to God. That was the cry of my heart. Hey, I'll, I'll be honest, I had a little thing. I wanted the tumor to be gone too. But God has his way and he will use whatever he will to bring himself glory and honor and praise. And that's why we continue to pray for the Nicholson family. So David is pleading for God to move and answer his cry. Why do we cry out to God? Why do we cry out to God? We cry out because we're so desperate to have him answer. We can do nothing apart from him. Guys, you can't even breathe without him. The medulla oblongata, I know I use this a lot, but it makes so much sense. It takes care of the breathing and the blood pumping and the circulation and all that stuff that we can't control. That's because God controls those things. And so you do not breathe without the breath of life that God has given you moving through your lungs. So David knows that no matter what he does, unless God attends to his pleas, he will be undone. David can worry all he wants about what his lot of life, uh, life is. And, uh, but all those worries, all those concerns will not bring him near to peace. But actually only keeping him, keeping him a prisoner to his hurts. And a prisoner to his pains. And a prisoner to his struggles. Alright, maybe when I said I, I, we were, you could be hopeful that we're out of the book of Job. Aren't we seeing glimpses of Job here? And so, David is the chosen king. He doesn't seek to, to expedite his reign. He was a chosen king while there was a king. And David was patient. And he waited on God to fulfill that for him. Saul sought to kill him by throwing javelins at him. Not once, but I think twice. Okay, And chased him down. Saul took away his wife and gave her to another man. One, you know, one son tried to take his kingdom. And another son raped one of his daughters. This is, this is David's life. He was not the best dad. David was not perfect. David sinned in murdering Uriah, losing his son because of that sin. And David realized that in his life that he had sinned ultimately against God. 
If you think through Psalm 51 verse 4, listen, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when they speak and clear when thou judgest. So the reason why David was crying out is because he knew that God was the only one, the only one who can and would answer him and actually give him peace. David is relying on God to be the one who fulfills him and has stopped relying on what he can do. <laughs> because in his hands, everything turns to pot. In his hands, everything just slips through. And I'm not going to use an analogy I normally use, so we're going to move on. But God, in his good timing, will bring himself the glory. Here's my question to you. Do you cry out to God? Do you cry out to him in desperation? Do you look to the hills? Do you look to God from where your help comes from? Or are you so caught up in fixing your own problems? Putting band-aids on gaping wounds? Thinking that you've got it all together? So do you cry out to him? The only way that, that God will help us in all of this is if you belong to him. You not only do you belong to him, you've repented of your sin, you've trusted Christ, because if you do not know him, this is not for you. But it could be. You could look to Christ Jesus, who took the penalty for sin, died in the place of sinners so sinners could be set free. And you can have hope right now. If you do not know him, he will not heed that cry. But he could if you cry out in repentance and faith. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 59 verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not short that he cannot save, nor his ear heavy that he cannot hear. If you are God's God's hand is not short that he's not able to save you, and his ear is not too heavy that he cannot hear you. God always hears the prayers of his people. Now, whether he answers the way we want, that's a different story. Look at the book of Job. Okay? So, Christ is God's mighty right hand, and he is the one that stretched out his arms and died. He saved us with outstretched arms. Our propitiation our substitute. But if you do not know Christ, there is no propitiation for you until you submit to Christ in repentance and faith. So we have someone who has taken the place of sinners, taken the punishment for sinners, through whose blood there is forgiveness and redemption when men repent and believe the gospel, draw near unto him and trust in the shed blood of Christ Jesus. So our first truth is cry out to him. Our second is, is when you cry out to him, he will answer because, here's our second truth, ready? God is sufficient for you. He is sufficient. Look at verse 2. I love this. Psalm uh, 61, 2. From the end of the earth I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to a rock that is higher than I. He cries out to God wherever he's at, whether he's on the throne of the kingdom or whether he's running for his life. David cries out to God for the simple fact that God will answer and David knows it. He cries out to him 
wherever he's at, to the ends of the earth. You know, when, when, I, when I think through that, it's really neat. Uh, listen to what he said, from the ends of the earth, I cry unto thee. I, I, I'm sorry, but I think of a man like Jonah. Jonah is in the belly of a fish for three days, and man, life stinks. That was, sorry. Uh, so here he is in the belly of the fish, and what does God do? He hears his prayer and spits it out on dry ground. Pretty brilliant. God is amazingly awesome. And so here he is. David cries out to God. He cries out to him when his heart is overwhelmed, when his heart is faint, when he cannot function, when he cannot fear, uh, think clearly. He is totally at his wit's end, and he needs the grace of God to comfort his heart. He asks God uh, to to. Really, when his heart is overwhelmed, have you ever been so overwhelmed that it actually begins to hurt to breathe? You, you begin to feel the full weight of your, that, that, that discouragement and depression. You, you, begin, you begin to fall into this pit and sometimes you feel like you're failing and you almost become okay with it. Your heart is so heavy, so broken, why bother is what you say to yourself. Have you ever been there? Yeah, you don't have to raise your hands. You're right. I, I've been here. But what I love about this is when my heart is overwhelmed, listen to what he, he cries out to God. Listen, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. He is at wit's end. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. What is this rock that is higher than him? Well, if you know the Old, the Old Testament, it is the Lord. But if you know the New Testament, the rock is Christ. How do I know that? Well, First uh, Corinthians ten four says this: and did all drink the same spiritual drink? They sprang, they they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. That rock was Christ. In the wilderness, when they wanted water, water came from a rock. And what First Corinthians ten four tells us is Jesus was the rock because Jesus is the living water. Do you remember that conversation with uh, the woman uh, at the well? Do you remember that? Jesus is the living water who satisfies. And so Christ was the life-giving water, and yet they kept on disobeying. And David sees Christ as this rock and wants God to take him to himself. Christ is our rock. Christ is our sufficiency. Christ is enough. Christ is our sufficiency even when life seems to be falling apart. Christ is enough for David. And that's why David is crying out. 2 Corinthians 3, 4 says this, And such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who has also, who also have made us ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. The letter kills, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. We are nothing because of us. We are everything because of Christ. When we stand in Christ, rest in Christ, trust in Christ, submit to Christ. Christ is sufficient. Paul had this thorn in his flesh. He cries out to God three times to remove this thorn in the flesh. Now, 
No one really knows what that thorn in the flesh is. Some believe it was some sin pattern. And some believe it was a physical ailment. I lean towards it was a physical ailment. Why? Because Paul struggled with his eyesight, which most believe it happened on the road to Damascus during his conversion. Okay? He was blinded by this light, and he was never the same. He had That's why he says in, I think in Galatians, he says, you see, as I write this in my own, and it's painful to write this with my own hand. Okay, so here he is, and I want you to listen to God's response. This is 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So Paul's response to God is interesting. God says, my grace is sufficient. It's almost like Paul says, find that. I'll glorify you in my weakness. But I don't think that I don't think there was a, a bad heart towards it. He says, man, if that if I have to be weak so that I could be strong, then I will be I'll be weak because you are strong in me. You are the one. And so and once you think about this, Acts chapter four, verse twelve. I want you to think of this hope that's here. Because this is important, because this is what Paul trusts in. Okay? This is what David's trusted in. But you say, how is that? He didn't know uh, Christ in the, in the New Testament. He was looking forward to that promise the whole time. Every Old Testament saint was looking forward to the promise of Christ to come. So this is what it says in Acts 4.12. It says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name in heaven given unto men whereby we must be saved. Christ is not just strong enough to save. He is strong enough to keep. Even when you're weak and heavy laden. Even when the burdens of life are hard. And so, here's my question for you. Is Christ strong in your weaknesses? Do you have, do you have to have the perfect life in order to be, uh, to be uh, okay with God? Do you think life is really going to have no problems? Oh yeah, that's right. Smooth sailing and clear waters. How many of you have experienced that? That's what life is about? No. Well, last I checked, trials, tribulations, and persecutions. Oh, joy. But God is sufficient to handle it all. Have you ever cried out to God and it seems he doesn't answer? I've heard people use the term, it's like my prayers hit the ceiling. Oh, good thing today you're outside. But let me just challenge you with something. The answers don't always come when you want them. But he holds you through it all. It's what he does. When you pray and cry out to God, are you expecting him to answer? I look unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He made it all. He formed it all. And by the way, he formed you and I. So if you're just crying out, not expecting God to answer, here's the question. Will you always see his answer? Guys, do we go to God's word expecting him to answer? I'm not talking about naming it and claiming it. I'm talking about what the word of God says. Pray it. Pray it. 
If you're just crying out, not expecting him to answer, then will you be waiting for that answer? Is it just wishful thinking? I know what we got. We got that little bottle that we rub, expecting God to do whatever we want. You know, uh, Aladdin's lamp. You know, I'll grant you three wishes. My first wish would be, can I have three more wishes after that? But that's not it. But my, my, I'm not, I don't believe that, okay? All right, so if you're not relying on God, then who are you relying on? You? How's that working out for you? You know? I, I, okay, you know, I have to use the analogy. Your kid has that explosive diaper and you're trying to keep it from going on the ground and in your car and all that stuff. And it's just oozing out of your hand and goes everywhere. And you think, wow, that was really, really helpful. Really wasn't. It was explosive. It was bad. But you know what? Isn't that what our lives are like without Christ? Without resting on him? God is good. So the first truth is cry out to him. The second is, his he is sufficient. Yeah, I made up a word when I was struggling. I almost left ministry years ago because people were mean. And uh, not not my church people, okay? Uh, but, and I remember I, I started praying and pleading for God. And I got to Psalm 61. And that same day I looked at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10. And when it got to my grace is sufficient, I, you know, you know, when, when, when I am strong, I am weak, that, that passage, I, re, I remember making up a word. God is my enoughness. He's my enoughness. He's enough. Okay? By the way, if you want to send it to Webster's to see if they'll add it, I'm with you. Okay? So, our third truth is, He is your protection. He is your protection. Look at verse 3. Psalm 61, 3 says, for thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. David admits that God has been a shelter. Notice the tense. That is past tense. That means God has already been his shelter, his safety, his protection, his safe place, his refuge. And then it's really neat. So a shelter can protect us through storms. A shelter can keep us from, from the elements. A shelter protects. So David is saying that God has been his protection and that he tells God that he's also a strong tower. It's really neat. A strong tower against the enemy. So what is a strong tower? Uh, uh, you know, I would bring Judson up here to have you tell you what a, a strong tower is. It's called a keep. That, that tower on a castle that has the ridgy things, it's called a keep. That's where they keep the weapons. That is where their protection is. That's where they get the weapons and go stand on there with their archery stuffs. Okay? And so it's the place that protects. So listen. So now he said, you have been my protection, my shelter. Now you've been my protection, my keep, my strong tower. Okay? And so God is his strong tower, which means, God again, God is the protector of David. He speaks about how God has been for what God has been for him, and now he's going to shift. He's going to shift. Can you guys see the shift? It goes from past tense to what? Future tense. Listen to what it says. This is brilliant. Psalm 61 4. 
I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. And I didn't read Selah before for a reason. That Selah is a pause, but we'll get there in a moment. So listen to this. He, he went from past tense, and now he's hopeful. Because did verse 1 sound very hopeful to you? And verse 2, did it? But now he moves, he remembers what God has done, a shelter and a strong tower. And now he goes to the future. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. Tabernacle is God's shelter. It's his temple. I am going to be protected for you, from you forever. How do I know it's still protection? Why don't you look at the next part? I will trust in what? The covert or the cover of your wings. So now you see something really brilliant happen. God is like this, this bird that covers her, her little chickadees. All right, I heard this story. I believe it was a true story. I read it. It was on Facebook. Everything on, on Facebook is real, right? I was, I'm, I'm joking. But I, I was reading this story, and the story was about firemen going to make sure the fires were out in the forest. And they come up into this stump. On the stump was this bird. The bird was burnt. And they hit it over with a, a thing, and it just crumbled. Underneath, all the bird's little chickadees were alive. It would not leave is children. Now, do with that whatever you will, but God is that for us. He is the protector. So if David will be in God's tabernacle forever and God will be his shelter forever, his, his covered under the cover of his wings, what will he do for you? My dear brothers and sisters, David's going to remain under the protection of God and the cover of God. That's what he was going to do. He has some questions for you. Ready? And it's starting to rain. Are you resting in his protection? Are you resting in the fact that it is God who will fight your battles? Okay? Stand in his power, in his might, because you have put on Christ. When we put on Christ, and let's just walk through the armor of God. When we put on Christ, you know, we have, we put on this truth, right? Okay? The belt of truth. So, we put on truth. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Truth helps us to stand in the truth of God's word and helps us to be protected by the things that would knock us off our feet. Then we put on the breastplate of righteousness. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, my little children, these, are, uh, these things are writing to you that you sin not, but... If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. I know the ESV says the, uh, the righteous one. Jesus is the righteous one. He is the mighty right hand of God. He is Jehovah Sitzkenu, the, the Lord our righteousness. Yahweh our righteousness. He is our righteous one. He is the one that, that's why when I do a funeral, if you ever hear me say something uh, like this for a non-believer right now they're in the mighty right hand of God and God does what is good and right and then I leave it alone you know why because I can't tell you whether that person's in heaven that's outside my pay grade but what I can say is they're in the mighty right hand of God and God does what is good and what is right and what is perfect and then we put on the gospel shoes Galatians chapter 1 verse 6 comes to mind 
I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into grace, into the grace of Christ, until another gospel. We have a gospel that is true and needs not be watered down. Because what you win people with, you actually win people too. And by the way, what you win people with, you actually have to keep people with. This is why at Everglades, if you ask our pastors, we are going to stand on God's truth and on his promises and on the word and not on the bells and whistles. And I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just making a quick statement. So the gospel is the only thing that will bring the message of peace to a people who, who need to hear the gospel, but would also keep those who have accepted the gospel and give them the ability to remember the gospel and rest in the power of the one who took their place in punishment. We cannot save anyone. God saves. God saves. Because we have no power to do that. Then we put on this shield of faith, right? 1 Corinthians 10, 13 but there's no temptation that has seized you or taken you as such that is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. But with each temptation, he makes a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So God is faithful. But what's, when, we, when we think about this, you know why the shield is, is there? It's because it's, you know, in the Roman shield, they're really big, right? And they're meant to cover you, one person. Christ is that for us. So above all the armor, we have this shield, and he protects us. Jesus is that shield. And then uh, we put on salvation, okay? Uh, the helmet of salvation. Look at, uh, we already did uh, uh, Acts 4.12. There's no other name under heaven by which we can be saved, okay? And uh, this is what it says in Psalm 62. He only is my rock and my salvation. He's my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Um, you must remember that salvation will keep you focused on the cross of Christ, which will protect your heart and mind through Christ Jesus, who is our salvation. And then uh, I'm going to bring this up. This is uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. And this is what ties all the armor together. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And watch thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Above all these pieces of armor, we pray. We plead. We pray with all prayer. We pray with every prayer and supplication, which means prayer. We need to rest in the fact that God is who he is and does what he does. And God is also that has our back. Have you ever noticed there is, there is no rear armor? listed in Ephesians chapter 6, that's because God has our backs. We're supposed to always be moving forward. And if you do not know Christ, then you're not standing under God's protection, but rather you are headed to a crisis eternity in hell forever. This is not a scare tactic. This is just truth. And so here's what is interesting. Listen to uh, Isaiah 59 2. And then we're going to to, to go a little bit further. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Sin separates. But you know what? We already saw in verse 1 of this, which we read before, but Christ saves those who call out to him. He saves. He saves to the uttermost. He saves. 
So cry out to him. He's sufficient for you. He is your protection. And God actually hears your prayer. That's the, our, our next truth. God hears our prayer. Look at Psalm 61 verse 5. It says, for thou, O God, listen, he now uses past tense, have heard my vows, has heard my vows, and has given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. His pleas, now he see, we see him trust, he's relying, he is hoping, he's knowing that God is the one that comforts the heart. He commended God, he praised God, and not only does God answer, but what an amazing prayer of faith. I want you to think through this a little bit. I'm just going to read my thoughts on it. Oh God, you are God who hears our vows, our promises, knows our hearts, our desperate pleas. See, David is comforted, and we should be as well. God has given uh, to him and those of us who have trusted in Jesus the heritage. It's ours to have. He has given us a heritage among the saints. David knew that God would sustain him and keep him. And so he says in Psalm 61, verse 7 and 8, He shall abide before God forever. O prepare mercy and grace, which may preserve him. So I will sing of thy name forever and daily perform my vows. So he purposes to abide. Doesn't that sound a little like Hebrews chapter um, 4, verse 16? Go boldly before the throne of grace, where we receive mercy and grace in our time of need. Guys, we need him. Okay? David committed to sing God's name forever and ever. He committed to perform his daily vows. He promises that he that uh, he's made to God. He's going to keep. Shouldn't we do the same? So, uh, guys, I know it's raining. So let me just run through one little more, se one se section more. Here's some application. Okay? Here's some promises that should encourage your heart. Colossians 1.10. That you might walk worthy of the Lord and pleasing unto all pleasing and be fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God and strengthening with all might and according to his glorious power unto the patience and long suffering with joyfulness. If you are in Christ, here's some hope. He will grow you. He will grow you to walk worthy of him. He will grow you to please him. He will cause you to be fruitful in every good work. He has set you aside for his work. He has set you uh, before, he has made you before the foundation of the world. He saved you before the foundation of the world. He will cause your knowledge of God to increase. He will strengthen you with all might, for his glorious power is through you. He will cause you to be patient and long-suffering, or to suffer long. Uh, let me just repeat. Long-suffering is suffering long. He saves, and we grow, and we do this through obedience. God's not a liar. Moving quicker. I want to get to a couple more promises. He will accomplish what he does. Um, uh, Romans eight seventeen is interesting because it says, "If children, the heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ." We are joint heirs. That's a promise you can rely on. If you are in Christ, you are joint heirs. Do I understand it? Absolutely not. But. This present suffering will not begin to compare to the glory which shall be revealed. God has us here, even through the hard things. And one day, all the hard things will pale in comparison. And so, I'm going to close this because it's getting rainy. And I'm going to say, uh, rain, rain, go. Wait, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I want you to think through this. A couple more promises. Romans 8.28 says, 
And we know that God works for the good of those who love him and call the Lord and do his purpose. Okay? Hard things too. So we can be conformed to the image of Christ in 29. Did you know that Jesus is not done yet? And he's at the right hand of the throne of God interceding for us? That's, that's, that's awesome. So rest in that, my dear saints. If you're here and you do not know Christ, you can rest in that, but first you must repent to believe the gospel. You must look to Christ and actually live. So I'm praying for you. I love you. Thank you for, for bearing with me. Um, I'm going to pray uh, so that we can close. Father, thank you so much for your mercies. May Christ be exalted and your name be praised, honored, and adored. Father, will you please today help our hearts to rest in the fact that you are good and you are God, and that your mercy really does endure forever and your grace is sufficient for us. Would you have your way in us, Father, and show us your glory? Please be with my brother Doug and his bride, Rachel, and the kids, Lord God. Lord God, and thankful for Evan, thankful for the news. Lord God, there is a long way to go. Lord God, we have seen you work now, and I know we will see you work again, because that's what you do. You are awesome and mighty and worthy to be praised. Father, as we cry out to you, let us do so in expectation, knowing that you do answer, which just may not always be the way we want. In Jesus' name, amen. Amazing. Let me say now. Please Christ the sure and steady anchor. Christ the sure and steady anchor.